Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You're absolutely right. I think it will take a concerted effort. I think the pastors have to be involved. Uh, I think they have one of the most powerful voices in this country that they are not using at all. Uh, They're afraid of losing their 501c3 uh, and things like that. But what better authority, moral authority figure do people have but the pastor who is in the pulpit, who has an opportunity to say important, uh, game changing uh, things to talk about philosophies that are important. And there are children in church, not just older people, but they need to speak to the children as well. That's the best place to counter what some of these children are learning in schools, which is absolutely terrible. But we also, we need to have an influence on the education. Uh, Maybe one generation or two generation, we can work around. But if we have three or four generations that are raised in the same way, we don't have a battle we can win. Yeah. And that's the problem with, with churches. And, you know, I'm a faith-based guy and I, you know, I do some things in, in the faith-based community and uh, pastors tend to be, you know, they tend to be passive, right. For the most part, they, you know, they want to be what, um, you know, what Jesus uh, had, had described people should be, you know, wise as serpents, harmless as dogs, right. And so that's where they want to live. But right now, uh, and I was just having this conversation with a pastor friend of mine this morning about where do we draw that line? Okay, we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but do we sit back and 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 let them take over our churches, take over our messaging while we're being wise and harmless, or do we get out there? and become a firebrand to protect what we have. Because you're right, they are interested in protecting their 501c3 status. In my opinion, I think that's out the window. I think we, they need to just, their, the messaging and protecting the message is a lot more important right now than protecting their 501c3 status. All right, so give up the 501c3 status, become a for-profit. I mean, seriously, I mean, what, what does the church have to do in order to protect itself? It, right now, the, the government has that 501c3 protection hanging over the church. And they're telling the church, you speak up and we're going to take your status away. Good. Take it away. In fact, let's just all give it up now and become for profit. Do we really need the tax write off? 
I mean, are we that bad off as, as you know, followers of, of Christ that we have to have a tax write-off every time we give to the church? Because if we do, it's that little tax write-off that's going to shut us down. So we have to sacrifice something, the tax write-off or our voice. Well, for me, I would love the tax write-off, but that's not more important than protecting the message and protecting the Judeo-Christian values and ethics that this country was founded on. So I say to the church, who cares about the 501c3 status? Protect the message. Because you look at what they did to John MacArthur and you look at what they did to others over here on the West Coast. That's just a preview of things to come. The city took away his parking lot. They, they challenged him on that. They're, they're pushing. They're prodding. They're trying to see how far they can go with the church. And unfortunately, the church was just sitting back laughing at him. You've got a guy on the, on the East Coast, Rodney Howard Brown. He took a beating to protect, to protect the message and to protect his church. You know, he ended up in jail, but he's pushing back. So those are just two guys, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. Where's everybody else? Well, they're obviously sitting on the sofa, and that's what our problem is. I think uh, one of the most important things that we can advocate for uh, is getting involved in local government. Uh, That is where you can affect a lot of change with your county commissions, your, your town councils, your school boards. Obviously, those are three places where we can have a lot of influence. When you have uh, items coming up for discussion that you think need to be talked about, get your friends and your neighbors go down to your county commission meetings and demand to be heard. Most of the most commission meetings and and school board meetings have public uh, forums where you can comment. If you have a lot of people there, it makes a statement that you're not alone. And what you're talking about is important to a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my concern, Dr. Dan, is that the majority of people who support what we're talking about are complacent. They're just not motivated to get up off the couch and go do something about it. Listen, I remember, you know, sitting in my father's church, you know, 20 some years ago, uh, where a man came in and said, hey, listen, gay marriage is on the agenda. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to be here before we know it. Well, what happened? Nobody did anything about it. Now look where we are. Now, you know, that is, um, you know, that's something that is, you know, the church, you know, uh, obviously the church has its own political persuasion. Uh, They believe what they believe in terms of that. My point isn't whether or not I support that. My point is, is there was a warning. There was a clarion call and nobody did anything about it. And now here we are. It's a it's pretty much, you know, the church is going to have to work a thousand times harder to get their messaging out uh, if they want to influence change. Again, my point is that for most Americans, it takes a, a spanking before they get up and do anything. You're right. We do need to influence local government. We do need to be involved. But are we going to do it? Well, maybe it's going to take, you know, take the government uh, you know, shutting down our TVs or shutting down radio or shutting down our ability to communicate before we say, oh, wait a minute, something's wrong here. We better do something about it. And now we have to work a thousand times harder. 
People need to get motivated now. And there needs to be examples of how we didn't act in the past. Bring that to the, forward, to the future and say, let's learn from our mistake. Let's get out there. Let's get involved. And let's do something to affect change now. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do with our messaging. It's an important message to deliver. Uh, and a lot of us have been shouting that message for a long time. And the, the, the sad thing is, you're right. It does seem to fall always on deaf ears or people who agree say, yeah, boy, we better do something. But when you say, OK, let's do something, let's all be at the, uh, the school board meeting. It's Tuesday night next week at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And who shows up? Nobody. Right. And so that is the complacency uh, that we must find a way realistically to fight. Uh, I don't know how to do that other than speaking out. I know you were speaking out what you're doing. You formed an incredible organization that where you are, have great plans. But still, we must uh, we must find a way uh, to get people involved. Do you yeah. have any any magic? Anything magic suggestions to do that? Well, here's what we're doing, and it's all going to come down to grassroots. Get out of your house, meet us somewhere, and start knocking on doors and banging on corporate doors and saying, hey, look, we're not putting up with it. So we're putting together some strategies to do that. Unfortunately, we're only 30 days old, so we're still trying to get our uh, our infrastructure in place, and we're moving lightning fast. Uh, I just had a Zoom rally uh, last Friday with all of our members, and and um, and said to them, "Listen, we've moved pretty quickly, and we've advanced pretty far, considering it's only been 30 days, and and laid out some of our accomplishments. Um, and so we're moving fast because we know that at some point we're going to have to together travel to Washington, travel." To to, you know, to the corporate offices of some of these retailers and big tech companies by the millions and say enough is enough. And when we do that, Washington's going to look and say, these people mean business. We better get on board. And we're going to be supporting, you know, as a and we just talked about 501c3. We're we're in the process of of you know of getting our 501c3 status. We can't, unfortunately, we can't endorse political candidates, but what we can do is we can expose them and say, listen, these guys, certain these certain um, you know officials who are running for office, they oppose free speech. And we're going to make that a loud bullhorn, a loud megaphone so that people know, okay, these people are trying to silence our voices. We're not going to vote for these guys. And so that's that's where we're headed with this. And so we've got our work cut out for us and we have to work backwards. We have to say, okay, if we're going to influence uh, if we're going to influence policy change in Washington, if we're going to influence big tech, if we're going to influence retailers, What's it going to take for us right now to be able to get there quickly? And that's where we are um, as we speak. We're right now trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that. We know we're going to hit hit retailers uh, in their revenue stream because I, I do believe at the end of the day, that's the loudest voice in America. And once that starts to happen, Washington will listen. So it's a unique movement. It's not been done before. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the years and decades about, about 
movements like ours, nothing's been done. Well, enough's enough. You know, as for me, I'm going to lead a movement that will be mobilized. We will get out there. And, you know, Dr. Dan, our people are hungry for it. They were asking on Friday by the by the hundreds and the thousands. Hey, when are we going to go somewhere? Can we go now? Can we get on a plane and go stand in front of, you know, Twitter's headquarters? Can we go and stand in front of Facebook's headquarters? Can we go and stand uh, at, in the Capitol and protest? Well, we will do that. We'll get there. Let us, you know, let's get a plan in place. So people are hungry and we just need to get them by the millions. I think that's a very, a, a very good way to do things. And, and we're really assisted by the internet. The internet does give us a way of connecting with people all over the country, whether they actually physically go anywhere or not, they can participate. And you can get the people who are, have the ability to jump up and leave and go places. I think that's a great, a great way to do it. But this whole non-involvement philosophy is something that we really have to counter. About four, about four or five years ago, I put up a website that was called Domestic Enemies of Freedom. And I had a friend who would, what he would do is he would scour the internet for people who were doing things that were anti-freedom, anti-constitution, anti-bill of rights, uh, a principle, for instance, like a principle who would expel a student for wearing a shirt with, with something on it that they didn't like, stuff like that. And then what we did in that website is at there was a story there about what exactly had gone on. And at the bottom, all you had to do was push a button to send an email to those to that person. So we were trying to get a, uh, a media based or website based way, a digital way of confronting individuals who do things that are unconstitutional, immoral, uh, stupid, crazy, whatever you want to say, that diminished our freedom. That's why they were the domestic enemies of freedom. Uh, and after trying, we we sent out invitations to join this effort to hundreds and hundreds of people. And after all of that effort, um, we had only one or two people that even bothered to do something so simple. All they had to do was read a story, push a button, and send a message to that offending person that say, we don't agree with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you think people uh, in today's world, do you think they're afraid to get involved? I believe they are. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We've had people drop off because, you know, they thought twice about their, um, their, you know, wanting to be a member of something that's so controversial. Uh, so I am concerned that, that people are afraid, but that's the problem. Right. That's the problem. People are afraid. And the opposition, they know that the cancel culture environment, they know this and they're keeping the fearful people at bay, which is the majority of the country. I would imagine 60, 70 percent of people who support the cancel culture, but yet won't say anything because they're afraid of being targeted. Right. And so. Again, how far are we willing to go to protect our freedom of speech? How far are we willing to fight? And that's what it comes down to. And so we're going to find out. 
you know, we're going to find out. Unfortunately, as I said before, it's going to take a lot of people being hurt uh, in their pocketbook, being hurt wherever, in, in whatever capacity, not physically, obviously, but, you know, financially, emotionally. I mean, think about, you know, all of the jobs that were lost as a result of canceling some of the retail products like Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's, you know, some of these, you know, Lando Lakes, you know, think about now all of these people who are going to lose their jobs, who worked those assembly lines and who worked in those plants. Well, those people ought to be the first rising up saying, Hey, you know, what is this? We got to stop this, right? Because now they're losing income. And so it's going to take people who, and I think those, I believe the people who would join our movement first are the ones that are really angry because they've personally been injured in some way by the cancel culture movement. And um, and that's that's where it starts. And hopefully it'll be enough uh, people to uh, be able to uh, to become a loud voice in this country. So unfortunately, Dr. Dan, it's hard to say. Right. We can't predict the future. We can only get out there and lead by example. We can only get out there and say, hey, you know, we've had enough. We're not taking this anymore. Let's get behind this and let's affect change and do it quickly. Most people think that this is a long-term effort. And when they see that, they already get burnt out by the messaging. They get burnt out by, by the idea. But if we come to them and say, hey, look, do you realize within the next two years, we can have the cancel culture in the palm of our hands? And if we lay out a strategy and if we, if we put out an agenda, if we put out a, a, you know, a mission statement, if we put out a, um, you know, a rallying cry that has a timeline on it, I believe people will say, you know what? Wow. In two years, we can turn this around. I'm in. And so, yep. Well, when I look at what you're doing and I understand the process and I understand what we have to do. I get courage and inspiration from our founding fathers. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what it was like for people like Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, George Washington, John, you know, uh, Hamilton, uh, Adams, for those these people to go up against the most powerful nation on earth, to go up against uh, an army who was here on our shores in our in our country? Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Henry is sitting up who said, "Give me liberty and get, or give me death." Mm -hmm. People who were passionate, they were passionate about freedom. They were passionate about making a dramatic change uh, that would result in a benefit for, uh, for mankind. Our, our founders pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor mm -hmm. uh, for the gift that they gave us that gift was our our uh, declaration of independence the constitution and most importantly as far as i'm concerned mm -hmm. the bill of rights mm -hmm. they were quaking in their boots mm -hmm. but they went ahead and they did it anyway mm -hmm. this country has taken all of what you just mentioned for granted and it's not being taught in schools and the ability to feel their pain the ability to to connect with our founding fathers to a point where it's like, okay, you know what? If they can do it, we can do it. That disconnect is wide. And 
unfortunately it's, you know, it, it's challenging for someone like, you know, for people like us to be able to say, okay, how can we bring that pain? How can we get the people to feel that that pain and the suffering and the motivation included to, to take a hit so that we can have our freedoms today? We're so far removed from that. And we're so numb to that, that people just don't really care anymore. They're, they don't think about that. It's a good point, doctor. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedoms. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything, everything